0: Welcome to Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. This week, I'm flying the show solo as our summer schedule kicks in, and Federico is getting deep into his iOS 11 review. This week, I thought I would revisit a topic that's close to my heart and discuss the current state of programming on iOS. We've discussed this topic in general once before, way back in episode 12. That was June 2016, just before Apple announced a major enhancement to coding on iOS, namely Swift Playgrounds and the Everyone Can Code initiative. There's certainly still other options for coding in iOS, so we'll discuss some of those as well. But firstly, and for the majority of the show, we're going to dig into Apple's initiative that they call Everyone Can Code. I'm going to talk about this today because although some listeners might be familiar with coding, a lot of the feedback and requests that we get around this topic are more about questions like how can I use the iPad to teach my child how to code? Although it's becoming more common, Not every school offers a computer science curriculum and some people are very interested in using the iPad as a way to help their children or maybe an after school group or something uh, learn how to code. So Everyone Can Code is the umbrella name that Apple gives to many different initiatives around the company. Swift Playgrounds is of course the flagship item, but there are others too. There are books called Get Started with Code 1 and 2. There are books called Learn to Code 1, 2 and 3. There are teacher guides for both of those. Uh, There's also a curriculum called App Development with Swift, which is an introductory book and a full book. There are badges in a system called Apple Teacher, which if you're not familiar with, I'll explain to you later what that's all about. And finally, the Apple Store is hosting coding sessions around about some of the technologies that are available in Swift Playgrounds, such as uh, connecting to things like drones and Spheros and other programmable Bluetooth toys in order to kind of make the coding more physical and uh, make it a bit more uh, interactive and hands-on with things that are moving in the real world as well. So let me go from the, from the bottom to the top, kind of in terms of age range, and give you an idea of where Apple's materials fit in to different levels and what they might be good for and what apps can be used alongside those. So the lowest level, the youngest years, is is the book called get started with code it's actually two books one and two and these two books use the apps tinker that's t-y-n-k-r and another app called code spark academy these books are targeted at the very entry level of coding and you can use either of those apps to teach the concepts in the book as far as i can tell from reading them you can basically do a lesson if you like with one or other app depending on which one you prefer i tend to lean a little bit more towards tinker mainly because you don't have to sign into it with some account, whereas CodeSpark Academy does want you to sign in before you can really do anything useful. There's an organization called the Computer Science Teachers Association, and they publish recommended standards for computer science teaching at different levels. And Apple has aligned their curriculum books with the CSTA alignment. So what Apple says is that get started with code is really suitable for the stages K through 2, which is about age five through to seven. So it's a very, very introductory, very basic uh, way to get started with code. Hence the name Get Started With Code. But of course, the one that certainly got uh, keynote time back in WWC 2016 was Swift Playgrounds. And this is where uh, I really think that this is the, the kind of heart and soul of it for iPad users is the app Swift Playgrounds. It's far and away the flagship project under the Everyone Can Code banner, as far as I can see. And what Swift Playgrounds does is it lets you write genuine Swift code on your iPad. Now, if you're not familiar with what Swift is, Swift is Apple's uh, current programming language that is used. Apple invented it, and it's used to write iPad apps, iPhone apps, and Mac apps as well. All of Apple's uh, operating system features are available in Swift programming, uh, and it's a modern language that incorporates a lot of features, uh, both from traditional computer programming languages that languages that we have used before on Apple platforms and some that are new ideas to Apple platforms as well. Now it's important to understand that you cannot write and package and run a full app from Swift Playgrounds, but what you can do is you can use it as a way to learn Swift. You can use the interactive textbooks that Apple provides and you can access many packages in the iOS programming interface. So many of the, of the function calls, that your developers who make the apps that you love would use, you can actually call those same functions in your Swift code and you can see the effect of it right in Swift Playgrounds. So it's not not a way to build and publish an app from iPad, but it's a way to get familiar with the iOS API and it's a way to certainly learn all the details of the Swift language inside an iPad app. Now, the app is pretty well done. It's got some interesting features. It's a little bit different to... Uh, a number of the other ios apps you might use for example one of the things you can do with it is you can essentially drag and drop your code around so you can tap on individual lines of code and you can drag them into other places in your program it's got a area where you can type in code but it behaves differently to anywhere else you type stuff in on ipad and this makes it really easy to uh, write good code it makes it very easy to avoid uh, typing mistakes, breaking your program, and all the usual kind of problems that we have with text-based code. So there's that part to it. And then also, as if you're working with the uh, Learn to Code books, there are suggestions across the bottom. You know, you're, you're familiar with suggestions above the keyboard for the words that you type. Swift Playgrounds will actually give you suggestions for code. So it will look at what you're typing. It will look at what would be a valid thing to right next in your program and it will offer you those suggestions all the way through and it's really really powerful for doing that now also inside swift playgrounds you have a, a couple of different areas where you can get content for a start there are the three major interactive textbooks called learn to code one two and three there are a set of what are called challenges which are uh, smaller kind of programming books where they maybe cover five or six different pages about a topic. A few of them are about games, where you can download this book that contains a game, and you can write code to modify the behaviour of the game as you go through the book. There's one about cryptography. There's one about drawing various kinds of patterns. So a little bit of computer graphics in there as well. Uh, And also, you can connect to different kinds of programmable toys. I mentioned that in the context of Apple Store events, but you can do that as well. There's a tab inside of Swift Playgrounds where you can tap on it and you can download templates or interactive workbooks that will connect you to things like Lego Mindstorms, Parrot Mini Drones, Spheros, including BB-8, which is the one I've got, which is really cool. Uh, it's awesome to be able to program a Star Wars droid. And you can also connect to a couple of music-making uh, peripherals and so on. So it's pretty interactive and you can kind of take your programming off the iPad and turn it into something that makes something happen in the real world. That's pretty good fun. The other thing that is fun is you can make your own playgrounds from scratch. Now these are basically empty templates that let you start from whatever you want to do and go on from there. But what's cool about this is that you can actually use not all, but most of the frameworks on iOS, including frameworks like UIKit, SceneKit, WebKit, which is the engine behind Safari, and MapKit, which is the the mapping engine behind Maps. So you can actually use all of those tools the same way you would use them in an app, but you can use them embedded in a Swift Playground and you can start to explore in a very sort of simple environment many of the things that make iPad apps or iPhone apps what they are today. Uh, so there's a lot of fun you can have there. You can draw your own maps, you can draw lines on the maps, circles, drop markers, do all those kind of stuff. And on the right-hand side of the screen, you basically get an interactive space where you can work with the output of whatever it is you've written on the left-hand side. Before we go ahead and talk about learn to code 1, 2, 3 I want to tell you about our sponsor for this show which is Ministry of Supply now every week we spend about 40 hours a week working in uncomfortable clothing clothes are restrictive ones you feel you can't breathe in and by the end of the day they're all wrinkled too Ministry of Supply is putting an end to all of this they make performance clothes for the modern day workplace launched by MIT engineers Ministry of Supply combines human centric research performance technology and tailored design to create where to work clothes for men and women like dress, shirts, blouses, and pants. Their garments work with your body to provide maximum comfort while giving you great features like temperature control, wrinkle resistance, and extreme stretch to give you a sharp professional look all day long. Ministry of Supply's future-forward dress shirt has NASA-invented fibres that regulate body temperature based on your surroundings. I've been wearing the Ministry of Supply socks for quite some time now. Uh, Their smarter dress socks are made of coffee fibre that wicks sweat and absorbs odour. They provide extreme cushion with more padding than gym socks. And I can really attest to this because, as you know, I'm a teacher and I'm on my feet pretty much the whole school day. And these socks uh, perform outperform any other socks that I've got in my sock drawer. They are uh, comfortable. They stay up. They don't roll down your feet, anything like that. So I uh, strongly recommend those. And Ministry of Supply offers free shipping, free returns, and a 100-day, no-questions-asked return policy. To find out more and get 15% off your first purchase, go to MinistryofSupply.com/slash Canvas, or you can visit any of their nine retail stores in locations including San Francisco, Atlanta, and Chicago, and mention this show to also claim your 15% off. Our thanks to Ministry of Supply for supporting this show and all of Really FM. So let's talk about Learn to Code 1, 2, and 3. These three titles are a kind of interactive book interactive textbook maybe that you can download from inside the playgrounds app. So I've mentioned some of the challenges and templates that you can get. You can also get the books inside the app. So these are not they're not iBooks that you get in the store. You actually download Swift playgrounds first, they go into Swift playgrounds and then you uh, download those books and open them up. Now in these books there are various individual lessons that illuminate different programming concepts through the use of a kind of 3D map world and animated characters that have various capabilities. The world is a kind of blocky world visually a little bit similar to minecraft and there are three characters in there called bite blue and hopper and you can command those to move through and interact with the world so it starts off very very simple the idea is that you 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 see like maybe four blocks and the character starts on uh, the beginning block and you just say move forward move forward move forward and then in the world there are things the characters need to do like Um, There are little crystals that lie about in the maze and they have to collect those gems. Uh, Sometimes there are switches that they have to turn on and off by jumping on them. Uh, There are portals that you can move through, so it jumps you from one part of the map to the other. And then there are also things like platforms that can be controlled by locks. So there's a little bit of control of something else somewhere in the world that you have to move a lock up and the platform goes up and then you can walk across it and then you turn it down and so on. So there's various little challenges and tasks and missions that the characters go through in every one of those exercises. And the books are very, very well written. They take you from literally zero, just doing something as simple as what I just said, which is move forward, move forward, move forward, then collect a gem. Takes you from that all the way through to understanding how to use many of the structures that programmers would use every day in a language like Swift. It looks at things like functions, loops, logical operators, like and, or, and not, where you can combine two logical values to create another value that you can work with. Conditional statements, such as the if statement in programming. Basic kinds of algorithms. There's a couple of exercises where uh, you have to program the character to move around maze, but you do that by giving them a simple set of decisions uh, at each turning point. And that eventually gets them to to completing the maze you also look at other computer science concepts like arrays and variables and then eventually basic object-oriented programming for example i mentioned those uh, platforms that have locks that you can turn to move the platform eventually what you end up doing is you have two characters on the map at once and you have one character that is doing one job for you namely turning the locks and the other character uses those platforms to move around the world And that's a kind of example of object-oriented programming where you're giving commands to two individual instances of the same thing, two different characters, and you're giving them different kinds of commands, but the commands only go to the one that you address, which is a kind of basic object-oriented programming concept. Now, I've taught Learn to Code 1 and 2 to a couple of classes at our school this year, and the general feedback is that the exercises are very well paced, they're attractive and animated, and they don't go too quickly, They don't get too difficult too quickly as well, but they do build on each other in a very uh, kind of logical process so that you can go from nothing to, by the end of Learn to Code 2, you've been through all those different parts of programming and you get familiar with all of them as you go along. Now, I've taught those courses to 11 to 13 year olds, and Apple's teacher guides also suggest that they're appropriate for maybe US grades sort of six through to eight. So they're about that kind of age. And they work very well for those kind of kids. Now, if you are a teacher or if you're interested in teaching this in some way, all three of those interactive textbooks inside Swift also come with teacher guides in the iBookstore. So uh, get started with code 1 and 2 are purely iBooks. Learn to code 1, 2 and 3 are interactive textbooks that a student would use inside of Swift Playgrounds. But going along with that, there's a set of teacher guides which include lesson plans ideas for uh, discussing the concepts before the students are going to program ways to do kind of basic assessments, different kinds of uh, uh, examples that you can use with the students, different keynotes, decks you can download and use in your class and so on. So there's quite a lot of material inside that iBooks textbook uh, so it's worth downloading both of those to have a look at how they would fit into the teaching that you're going to do. Now There are also other books too, called Introduction to App Development with Swift and App Development with Swift. Now, these courses are designed to go beyond the Learn to Code series. And what they do is they try and take the knowledge you've gained in Swift on the iPad and use it to make actual apps using Xcode on the Mac. So those are really Mac-based uh, books, but they take you up to the point where you actually do write an iOS app um, and then you can obviously run it on a device that you have as well. On top of those resources, Apple are also providing a few other things that go along with this. If you're a teacher, there's a program called Apple Teacher that I mentioned earlier. Now, what happens in Apple Teacher is uh, it's for teachers whose schools are maybe new to Apple products or they're maybe moving from the Mac to the iPad or something like that. And what Apple Teacher does is it provides a set of materials and resources about Apple technologies, such as the iWork suite, GarageBand, iMovie of course Um, and then there are other things that go along with that such as a couple of badges to do with Swift Playgrounds. The whole of Apple Teacher is based on badges so what you do is you go through a bit of training material then you answer a number of questions and then you're awarded the badge for Pages on the iPad or the badge for iMovie on macOS or whatever and there are some uh, there are two badges one about Swift itself I think and one about uh, Swift Playgrounds in particular. And you can earn those badges as well. So if you are a teacher who is maybe being tasked with doing a little bit of programming teaching in your school, you can go through the Apple teacher program and you can get your Swift badges to go along with everything else. So those are uh, some of the other things that Apple are providing. And of course, I mentioned before that if you have an Apple store locally, uh, you can go to the Apple store and there are various um, events going on under the Today Apple banner where there are spheros and things yeah, in the store, and kids can get some help from the people in the store to have a go at programming those using uh, using Swift Playgrounds on the iPad. Now, beyond that, that's the thing that's really new. That's the big kind of update for this episode. Uh, Swift Playgrounds is a really big initiative at Apple, I think, and it's clearly being worked on. You know, it's had several updates since it first came out last year. But there are other tools for programming in iOS as well. And I'll refer you to Canvas 12 for the details, the full details on these other apps. But let's mention some of them and talk about where they might be useful or might not be. So Pythonista is, of course, one of the most powerful kind of IDE type tools in iOS. IDE stands for Integrated Development Environment, where you have all your resources and all your interfaces in one place, and you can program them and run them there. Now, Pythonista lets you program uh, Python scripts using most of the standard library that's available in Python. And it lets you build little user interfaces and run them all inside Pythonista. Uh, it's really, really powerful. And it's a very uh, impressively built iOS app. It's been around for several generations. It's now, I think, on version 3. Uh, and it's uh, it remains as powerful as ever. Uh, and it's one of the great, great apps. So it's really worth checking that out if you're interested in Python programming. There's only Python programming, so it's not uh, it's not a general purpose development tool but it lets you build uh, really powerful python programs in there now many of you who have either got kids in school or maybe have recently been through school are probably familiar with a program called scratch on the pc and on the mac now scratch is an example of uh, what we sometimes call a block-based programming language and it's called block-based because what you do is in order to create the steps that are In your computer program you drag blocks from some kind of library and you drop them in a space and the blocks fit together almost a bit like Lego blocks and your code will run and the idea is that if you can't fit the blocks together it doesn't make sense to put that code in that order so the blocks are there to help you avoid making uh, basic programming mistakes by uh, misordering the commands or or misordering the structures so in principle you can't do that with a block-based language Uh, And Scratch isn't on iOS, but there is a very comparable uh, application called Hopscotch. That's a very similar environment to Scratch. And it lets you do many things. It's kind of orientated maybe a little bit towards games. So what you do is you put characters on a canvas and then each character can have code associated with it. So you can tap on a character and edit their code. And then there are a number of triggers that go on inside the game. So it's, for example, things like when the game starts do this code and you put the code for when the game starts inside that block then you might have other triggers such as um if the character bumps into another character do something if the character bumps the side of the ipad if the ipad is tapped if the ipad is tilted up or down or left or right and so on uh, and all of those um all of those uh, triggers can be used to start various bits of code And from there, you can start to build up relatively sophisticated games or drawing programs. We do a lot of this kind of stuff in school. And what we do is we use it a lot to kind of uh, talk about sequencing and composition when we program. So for example, we'd have the kids write code that would maybe draw a square and then package that up in what we call a, a command block in Hopscotch. And then we would use that command block to draw other squares and so on. So we're looking at the idea of composing a new behavior out of existing steps so that we can reuse it over and over again and starting to introduce some of those concepts there so hopscotch is is pretty powerful one of the cool things about hopscotch is that once you kind of get involved with it you can download other people's hopscotch programs that they've published to their site and you can start to pull them apart so you can go in there and you can dig in and you can see how something cool that you saw in a game uh, was made in hopscotch Uh, and that's quite a good way to learn just by inspecting what's possible there is another option called Codea, that's C-O-D-E-A, which is a game-related programming environment and um, a little more sophisticated than Hopscotch in the sense that you write textual code in Codea. In this case, you're using a language called Lua, L-U-A, which is a programming language that's very often used when scripting inside of games. So a lot of the big uh, AAA games have uh, that have some kind of customization available to them are often done in the language of Lua. It's not... Uh, I wouldn't say it was a broadly adopted language apart from that particular area but it is a language that can be used for you know serious programming as well so Kodea is, is very kind of focused on game type development but it's another one worth having a look at on, on iOS I have been teaching programming on iOS now for basically 7 years uh, 6 or 7 years uh, doing a, a standard school curriculum on iPad and one of the ways that we first started doing this was back in the days when the iPad didn't really have any good programming tools on it at all what we would do is we would actually use our iPad to connect to another machine over the network and we would write our code there now there's actually a number of blog posts floating about the internet where people who are professional developers they tend to be command line developers to be fair but actual developers professional developers use an iPad as their primary device and they connect to, say, a Linux machine or a server somewhere, uh, and they write their code on that machine, and they run it there, but they use their iPad as the screen and the keyboard to type in that code. We certainly done that in our school as well. That was We used to teach Ruby programming before we did Swift, and that was what we would do, is we would use an SSH client to connect to a remote machine, and then from there, we would write our code, and we would uh, execute the code on the remote machine. Now SSH is a way in which you can uh, connect from one computer to another over the internet securely. Uh, It stands for secure shell. And then you can give commands to that other computer. So we used to have uh, an Amazon Web Services machine, a virtual machine in the cloud. And our kids would connect to that and they would write their code there and run it. Uh, The SSH client we used for that was Prompt from Panic which is one of my favorites. Is one I've been using for years and years. Uh, There are certainly others. There's one called ISSH as well and and various others. Uh, But that's another way to do it if you have that kind of infrastructure in place is you can connect to a desktop computer or a server computer and you can use the full set of tools that are available there as well. That's another perfectly valid way to uh, write code technically on your iPad, but actually on another computer. But using your iPad as a way to uh, enter the code and run it on a remote computer as well. Now, if you use uh, the Git source control system, which source control is a way in which you can um, manage changes to a set of files, programmers use this to uh, make sure that when they have code that works, they can change it in a controlled fashion, and they can change it back if the changes don't work. Uh, Git is a very common um Source control system that's used in all different platforms uh, all over the world, and you can check the website GitHub for more uh, information on that. But if you use that system, there are a number of really good Git clients on iOS. The one I like is called Working Copy, which is a really powerful Git client that lets you um, edit code. It lets you move it onto other applications. So this is actually one of the ways that you can use. Uh, If you're interested in Swift Playgrounds and you want to look into making a Swift Playground book, kind of like Learn to Code, you can actually write it in Working Copy. And then you can use Working Copy's document provider to open that right inside Swift Playgrounds on your iPad. So you can actually write on the iPad and test on the iPad uh, these Swift Playground books. (laughs) These are... um, Uh, this is the basic technology behind learn to code one, two, and three. This is how those are put together. You can write those yourself and make them available uh, to other people, but you've got to kind of do it. You can't write it in Swift playgrounds itself. You've got to write it in another tool uh, and working copy is a very good tool for doing that. And of course it helps you manage the changes to your book as well. So uh, there's much to be said for that. Uh, There are certainly others as well, but you can use that to interact with GitHub. You can work on your changes, edit your changes. It also lets you do a round trip from that application into another application to edit and then back to working copy to commit the changes as well. So working copy is another app that's uh, definitely worth a look as as you get more sophisticated with development tools in iOS. And finally, we haven't mentioned this one before, but if you're more into web development, you could take a look at an app called Coda, again from Panic, and it's a very well put together, uh, pretty powerful web development environment for iPad so it lets you edit HTML files it lets you edit CSS lets you work with resources and it lets you push changes live to uh, various kinds of servers and so on so that's Coda from Panic if you're interested in web development as well this has been Canvas number 39 this is a little update on everyone can code for iPad and various other coding tools that are available on this platform uh, I have I have lived through the development of all of these. And I think uh, we're in a better position now than we've ever been in terms of what's possible on iPad. It's not, um, by no means is it perfect or is it you know as powerful as a desktop computer, but you can certainly get started writing code. And if you have a lot of technical skill, you can work ways to do things like SSHing into other machines and running a lot of code there and so on. So there's definitely uh, something for every beginner here, at least for now, And who knows where it's going to go in the future. I'm going to leave this episode here for now. This is one of our summer episodes. We're into our summer schedule. Uh, Things tend to be maybe a little bit shorter, uh, a little bit uh, different at this time of year. Uh, Federico and I will be back on the next show. Uh, We definitely haven't forgotten about the show we promised you around about outlining and mind mapping. We've done the outlining part a few shows ago now. We got interrupted on that by... First of your summer schedule, and then of course WWDC and the big deal of it was iOS eleven. Uh, so we will be back on that show uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Federico and I will be back together, and we look forward to hearing from you uh, over the course of the summer. Thanks for listening.